we can have successful relationships even though the world doesn't. Even though the Hollywood's telling us we should all get divorced and marry 33 times a week and all that. We can have successful relationships. I mean, truly successful. And ultimately, what we're going to be saying is that that is the will of God. He made us that way. He had, we were supposed to do that. Anything else is far beneath what God created you to be. So, for example, 1 Corinthians 13, Sister French quoted from, the Bible says uh, of love, and I'm, I'm now uh, uh, paraphrasing it, that love is patient and kind. Anybody ever heard that before? <laughs> love is patient. So when you're not patient, you're not being loving. So love reaches out and draws people. It doesn't demand. It doesn't keep score. That's what Paul said. Love doesn't keep score. And most, I've never, I've yet to counsel someone that's really, truly having difficulty that isn't keeping score. They're, they're, they're constantly adding it up. And, and in some cases, they go back to 1901. <laughs> 1901, you said so-and-so. That was my dad, the amazing Dr. Talmadge French. I love how he can go from intensely serious to very funny in just a matter of seconds. It's a gift that he has. Welcome. This is Apostolic Voice. I am your host, Ryan French. My wife joins me in just a few moments here for part two in our Relation Slips series. We're glad that you're here. We're glad you're listening. I also want to invite you to go to ryanafrench.com and check out the blog there. Uh, we have released an article also called Relation Slips Part 1. It goes along with our last episode in this series. One of the reasons, even if you listen to the last episode, you should go check it out, is we have linked quite a few books and articles that tie in to everything we've been talking about. You can click those links. They're all uh, a available for you to preview. Most of them are free. Some of them you could just purchase them on Amazon. Full disclosure, we don't get any kind of royalties or kickbacks or anything like that. Nobody's paying us to recommend any of the books that are on there. So it really is just uh, our unbiased opinion and desire to help you. We don't get anything out of it if you buy the book. We just hope that it's a blessing to you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for sticking around. Oh, and Hang out till the end because French fam gathers around for another good, gross, great, good, great, gross, whichever it is. And uh, we try sour, extreme sour Mike and Ikes. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's go. So slip proofing, we were talking about relationships. Uh, last episode, we focused a good bit on marriage, not completely, um, but today we'll probably do some marriage-related yep. things, but we're also going to answer several questions at yes. the end here that have nothing to do with marriage, and, and everything we're talking about, I think, is relative to friendships, mm -hmm. parenting, siblings, 
friends, coworkers, fellow saints in the church, uh, any relationship you can think of, but certainly marriages. Now, we've been looking through the lens of personality, and the the second tip that we have for you is called finding balance and seeking reconciliation. That's from Matthew 5, 21 through 24. We'll read that in a minute. But first, I want to highlight the personality differences that that Taylor and I have that I think are relative to this conversation. And we call it this, passive aggressors. And energetic attackers. And I am the... Passive aggressor. I am the passive and aggressor. And I'm the... Energetic attacker. <laughs> no doubt about it. So let's try to describe what that means. Taylor, maybe you could describe what I am as a passive aggressor. Yeah, so, you know, maybe passive aggressors can be, um, like, if you're upset, you might would be um, more quiet about it. Or right. you... You know, or you would take a lot longer time to say anything about it, or you know, used to you might would crack a joke that wasn't funny. <laughs> right, I might use sarcasm, or I might sarcasm. I might tell or... a joke, and really, I'm trying to yes. tell you something mm-hmm. through a joke. I really work hard Even not to do that more anymore. Passive. Right, 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 right. <clears throat> oh yeah, we're definitely past that. Thank the Lord. <laughs> yeah, and passive aggressive people can be angry for a long time, mm-hmm. but silently. Right. And then in worst case scenarios, a passive aggressor might hold on to something Yeah, because we don't like confrontation. That's really right. what it is. We don't like confrontation. Right. And then when you do feel like talking about it, it's like four or five things. Right. By the, that, time, by the yeah. <laughs> time a passive aggressive person reaches the point where they're willing to have a confrontation. Mm-hmm. They are willing to have a yeah, confrontation. Yeah, yeah. And they've been holding on to it for a long time, yeah. probably. And they they either blow up or mm-hmm. they bring up things from three years ago that that yeah. an energetic attacker has long, long since moved past about. and right. forgotten about mm-hmm. because that we really it's a confrontation problem. We don't right. enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But an energetic attacker, which is which is what you are. Right. You have no problem with confrontation. Yeah, want to fix it like right then. You want to and... fix everything right away. Mm-hmm. You want to just, you want to get right in there. You mm-hmm. want to talk it out. You yeah. want to yell it out, fight it out, whatever you got to do. Yeah, that's and and that's in marriage. That's mm-hmm. in your friendships. Yeah, that's you're right. that way in leadership. Right. Whereas my leadership style, if I'm not careful, tends to because I'm also a procrastinator. We talked about that last episode. And that procrastination is sometimes also related to being um, passive aggressive. Yeah. It can be a weakness. Now, mm-hmm. it can also be a strength. And right. here, here's the strength Correct. of a passive aggressor. Passive aggressive people tend to also be very patient people. Right. And everybody loves patience, right? Right. We all like, we all like it when someone is patient with us. Right. The problem is that that patience can also get us in trouble because we hold on to things that we really should be dealing with up front. Yeah. There are some things that should not wait. Right. That need to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. But energetic attackers struggle with timing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like knowing, yeah, I definitely used to struggle way more with it. Yeah. Knowing the right time to address uh-huh. a 
problem or, right. a, or a frustration. Because for me, like I want to fix it right then and move on because it makes me feel better because I'll dwell on it all day long. You know, because I'm like, oh, I want to, I want, I just want to fix it. It makes me, it makes me feel better. So one of the things that we figured out pretty quick mm-hmm. is that we're we're different in this way. If we're having a, a a problem or a frustration, and if we talk about it at the wrong time and in the wrong way, yeah. you feel better and yeah. move on. Mm-hmm. And I can actually wind up feeling worse. Yeah. So what happens is. For me, the problem gets bigger. Mm-hmm. For you, the problem goes away. Yeah. And then because I'm passive aggressive, I may not reveal very quickly that the problem got worse. Right. And and you're just moved past it. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with so this is and this happens, I think, in friendships a lot. Absolutely. This happens in all kinds of relationships where you've got one person who's passive aggressive and you've got another person who's aggressive mm-hmm. and energetic and and the energetic person is is in their own way dealing with it and yeah. feeling better. But passive aggressive people, we tend to not mm-hmm. get that resolved very quickly. Yeah. So for us, and and I've seen this in in other people around me who are passive aggressive, mm-hmm. I've seen this help them. Maybe not this exact tip, but we talked about Thanos mm-hmm. last week. Yeah, uh, and we don't want to go way right. way into that, but right. it's where you communicate, especially mm-hmm. in a marriage, your right. feelings, uh, acknowledgments, needs, affirmation. Mm-hmm. Uh, affirmation I'm sorry, mm-hmm. uh, feelings, affirmation, needs, mm-hmm. ownership, and struggles. Right. Okay, so. When we learn to do Thanos together, so this becomes a communication thing, mm-hmm. it forces me in the struggle section or in the uh, ownership section of that conversation to not be passive aggressive and bring up things yeah. that maybe I would hold on to. Right. And But it also forces you to wait Right, and I can think about it because a lot of the times, sometimes I can bring up a, an ownership or a struggle or something during Thanos, and I've thought about it all day long. And sometimes I can have gotten offended, you know, maybe about something you said or did or whatever. But then I can think about it through the day and realize that it wasn't even really that big of a deal. Or, you know, I have bullet points. You know, right? <laughs> well, one of the dangers of being an energetic attacker is you can. You can rush into a conversation. Right. You can rush into a confrontation without being well thought out. Correct. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The danger of being passive aggressive is that we can overthink yeah. and stew and come at it from a thousand angles until right. we've just magnified something in right. our minds. And learning to communicate, whether it's with in a friendship or in a marriage or with a coworker or a fellow saint, the key, if you're passive aggressive, now I can't speak well to passive uh, to energetic attackers, mm-hmm. uh, confrontational people. And when I say confrontational, I don't necessarily mean that in a negative sense. Correct. I mean it in a in a good sense. Confrontation is to me is a dirty word, but it's not a dirty word. Yeah, it, sometimes it's, it's needed. It's very. You know? It can be very needed. And I see a lot of passive aggressive people like me really have problems in their life and in their relationships because they're angry all the time. Mm-hmm. But the person they're angry at doesn't know they're angry. Mm-hmm. Um, 
maybe all of their friends know they're angry. Mm-hmm. Maybe other people around them know that they're yeah. angry, but that one person they're really uh-huh. angry with, they've not talked to them. Mm-hmm. I've gotten into a habit of telling people who come to me with that kind of situation, well, have you have you talked to them? Have you gone to them? Right. And usually it's, well, you know, maybe I hinted and they should know. Right, right, right. That's right. one thing right, passive right. aggressive people do. Well, they ought to know what they did. Right. They need to, it's their job to come to me. No. Right. We're going to look at that in a minute biblically. Yeah. Um, that's passive aggressive and it creates lots of issues. Right. And sometimes energetic, energetic attackers think that they've talked it out. Mm-hmm. Because they had some kind of mm-hmm. quick thing, and they think, but the passive mm-hmm. aggressive person didn't feel well, like. Especially it was if an energetic attacker comes in strong, then instantly that the passive aggressor just you know you you've already got that wall up. It shuts them down. So you don't you, you're just you're not going to accept anything else, you know. Right. So we know, for example, in in our relationship, that. It's not always what you say to it's me. It's how you say it's it. It's how you say right. it. Right. It's my tone. It's not always mm-hmm. that I'm unwilling to talk an issue through. Correct. It's that I'm just not going to talk it through at a certain volume level. Right. Or, <laughs> you know, in a, yeah. or, or maybe timing. Yeah. This correct. is something that's very important yeah. in relationships. Timing, timing, timing. In all relationships. In everything. all relationships. There's that old timing expression matters. that timing is everything. That's right. And it really can be true. You know, if you come to me when I'm getting ready to preach, for example, right, that's not going to ever be good timing, right? Or while you're in the middle of taking out the trash, <laughs> yeah, or while I'm or while I'm in the middle of trying to complete a project that I don't want to be yeah, doing, or that's you right. know, it's timing, and mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. It just means that it isn't wisdom. It's Correct. not wisdom that's to bring right. it up then. Mm-hmm. And that can be very hard Mm -hmm. for an aggressive personality Mm -hmm. because they don't like to wait. Mm -hmm. And But learning to find – and that's why in a marriage, Phanos helps so much, like we mentioned earlier, having that daily conversation where you cover those five topics. That's right. Because we found that you learn to to wait and hold off, forces you to be patient Mm -hmm. and And wait for the right time. You can think on it. Maybe you're not as – frustrated or whatever. Maybe you have a better perspective. That's right. But then it forces me to actually address things that maybe I would have left unsaid. That's right. In in other relationships outside of marriage, this is still important, Mm -hmm. even though obviously you can't do Thanos necessarily with people, but you can learn if you're passive aggressive to, to force yourself to go to people, yeah. And if you're if you're the opposite, if you're aggressive, force yourself to wait for the right time. To think about mm-hmm. is this a good time? Are yeah. they in the right frame of mind? Am right. I in the right frame right. of mind? And there's nothing wrong with with texting that person or calling them or whatever and saying, "Hey, you know, I'll, you know, we need to talk a couple of things out. Is there a certain time frame that would work for you? Is there a good is there a good day this week that we could talk something through?" You know, all of that stuff to give that person the heads up in advance, you know, and give them the chance to say, okay, well, this is a good day or this is a good time, you know, put it in their hands. Absolutely. Now, let's look at Matthew 5, 21 through 24. And uh, this is the, the New Living Translation. And this is Jesus. And he's talking about this very issue. He says, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And who, whoever murders 
will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, talking about the church. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Verse 23, so if you are offering your gift at the altar, now this is really important to understand. So you're, now this, he was speaking of the temple, but this in the New Testament, uh, after the crucifixion and the resurrection, this applies to us as the church. If you're offering your gift at the altar, if you're in the house of God, if you're in church, you're, you're bringing uh, yourself to the altar, which you're to present your body, a living sacrifice, that's your gift, or if you're bringing an offering, whatever it is, and while you're at the altar, you're in the house of God, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Okay, mm-hmm. whether it's your fault or their fault, whatever, right. maybe it's both of you, whatever it is, but you get to the altar and you remember, okay, I've got this relation slip problem with mm-hmm. someone in my life, especially a brother or sister in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Verse 24, here's what you're supposed to do. This is the instruction that Jesus gives. So all the passive aggressive people listen up because this is hard <laughs> for us. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Wow, that's, I really do believe that if Christians actually obeyed this command from Jesus, we would have so much less church disunity, there'd Mm -hmm. be less church hurt, there'd be less offense. Right. We wouldn't have people upset with one another constantly in our churches because obeying this very simple command Mm -hmm. would solve a lot of problems. I had a a man in our church come to me about a year or two ago, and he told me a story where I had been preaching this very text. I don't remember preaching it, but I somehow I had referenced this text. And while I was preaching— he remembered that he had a a major situation between himself and someone else that yeah. wasn't even in the service that day. Wow. And the Lord spoke to him and told him, you need to go right now and make this right. Wow. Even though in this particular situation, he wasn't at fault. He hadn't done anything. Mm. He had been harmed by this other person, but he was holding this bitterness, this wow. anger in his heart. Mm-hmm. And he, I didn't know this had happened, but he told me years after it had happened, he said, and Brother Ryan, I I got up while you were preaching. I pro- You were probably wondering, where in the world is he going? <laughs> and, and I left. I drove several miles. I went. I found this person at their home, knocked on their door, and I told him, listen, I forgive you. Wow. I forgive you. And he came back to the service. And it was about altar call time when he came back. And he said, and you know what? I was able to go to the altar for the first time and feel a release wow. that I had never felt before. That's amazing. That blew my mind. Yeah. I I've, I mean, that is an example of someone literally being obedient yes, to the right. Word of God. Mm-hmm. That's an extreme situation. But I do think that's exactly the kind of thing yeah. that Jesus was talking yeah. about. Yeah, I totally agree. If if you're mad at so and so on the other side of the building, don't right. go to the altar and and 
ask God yeah. to do all kinds of things on your behalf yeah. when God has commanded you yeah. to go and make a situation right. right. Because you won't feel a spiritual release until you go do your part. That's and so good. that's what we mean in our slip proofing tip number two, mm-hmm. finding balance and seeking reconciliation. So the finding balance part is if I'm passive aggressive, I can't hold on to that for maybe I hold on to it for a while, yeah. but I can't hold on to it forever. I have right. to find a balance and know I can't I've got to go to people. I yeah. have to I have to face the right. confrontation. If you're an energetic attacker, you have to find the balance of okay, maybe I can't get right up in their business right. the minute I want to. Right. Maybe I need to wait and use wisdom. Right. But the seeking reconciliation part comes directly from Matthew 5:21 through 24 where when you go to that person, don't go looking for an argument. That's don't, right. Don't go looking to win a fight. Right. Don't go looking to get your the last word in, mm-hmm. which is that's our human nature. Yeah. Whether you're passive aggressive or right. or confrontational. Right. Human nature is I want to get the last word in. I want to have the final say. I want to be right. I want to be blah, right. Blah, blah, blah. All that. But what Jesus is telling us to do is to put relationships over our desire to win Mm -hmm. and do that. It's such an important thing that even Jesus said, leave the altar, leave your, and go make it right before you, before you come back to God. Because so much of our relationship with God is mirrored in our relationships with others. Yeah. If we can't love our brother, then we can't love God. Mm -hmm. Paul told us that in several different ways. Right. If we can't, if we can't, care for others, then Mm -hmm. how do we expect to have a right relationship with God? That's right. And when you go, and this is the key, when you go to someone, always be seeking reconciliation. I can't tell you how many hundreds of times I've had someone in this very office or in, you know, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to tell them. And I understand the emotions they're feeling. Yeah, for sure. Because sometimes they, they are right. Yeah. They're right. There's no doubt about it. They've been they've been mistreated, they've been wronged. Right. And the human fleshly desire, whether it's in your marriage, yeah. whether, you know, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your boss, whatever it is, the desire can be I'm going to go in there and I'm going to make them understand mm-hmm. how wrong they are. Now listen, that doesn't mean you have to be a pushover. Correct. It doesn't mean that you're taking blame that you shouldn't take. Mm-hmm. You're not doing that. Right. But you can go to someone and say, listen, I I want to have a right relationship with you. Correct. I feel like you did wrong, but I care more about having a relationship with you mm-hmm. than winning this fight. Yeah. So what can we do? And usually, usually, not always, there are some people you can't reconcile with. Yeah. It's Sometimes it's not possible. Right. But the only responsibility that you have in God's eyes is for you to do your part. That's right. If you attempt to make reconciliation, mm-hmm. you've done your part. That's right. If they refuse it, now that's between them and God. Mm-hmm. So you've been released. Right. You've given it. Yeah. That's right. You've been released from that burden, that mm-hmm. that spiritual responsibility yeah. that and you have. And it feels have. good. <laughs> and it feels good. And But most of the time. Most of the time, mm-hmm. especially if it's someone you, you've known yeah. and have any kind of history with, you can find a way to seek re- reconciliation, especially if you understand their personality. Yeah, yeah, you, that's exactly right. You know, I've had people that have really 
hurt my feelings, yeah. even just, in, you know, ministers get their feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. People have said things to me. Uh, in fact, people do it all the time. Yeah. Um, and and I've I've had to realize as I've gotten older that sometimes when people are bringing a complaint or, you know, they're just, they're, their attitude's a little off. As I've learned to recognize different personalities, I realized they're not trying to hurt me. Right. There's no intent behind it. Mm-hmm. Their personality and the way they talk is wired differently than mine mm-hmm. because that I don't like confrontation and so yeah. I don't enjoy that kind of yeah. that kind of conversation. Their tone could have been a little too Their harsh for tones you a little harsh, yeah. or, you know, maybe they're a little aggressive yeah. and I feel like it's inappropriate. Yeah. But that's their personality. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not trying to right. be ugly. Right. And that doesn't mean that they're right. It doesn't mean they shouldn't maybe adjust a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I might even tell them that in yeah. a nice way. Mm-hmm. But I can, by understanding that, I don't have to take it personally. Yeah, like, oh, they're attacking mm-hmm. me. Oh, they're, right. you know, oh, they're that's so most mean. most of the time, the way that they're talking to you, that's how they talk to everyone. That's how they talk to everyone. Mm-hmm. And, and again, knowing that helps. Like knowing that, knowing that helps. Uh, it doesn't always mean that you like it. Well, right. But it does help. But like you said, it helps you from, you know, taking it personal. So seek reconciliation. When you seek reconciliation, it's okay to tell someone, listen, when you do this or that, mm-hmm. that is hard for me. Mm-hmm. My, You know, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. that's hard for me. And I would appreciate it if maybe we could learn to speak together, communicate, work right. together, be together. With, with and that be toned down, right? And but if you if you demonstrate to that person, hey, I want to maintain this. I want to have a good relationship with you. Right. That makes people feel valued. Yeah. If you give off the vibe, which our natural defense mechanism is to give off the vibe, I don't care. Right. Yeah. If we don't fix this, that's fine. <laughs> I don't need you anyway. You know what I mean? That, you can't do that. That's a defense mechanism. Yeah, and sure you'd is. be surprised how many people resort to that very quickly. Right. Um, but that's not the godly way to be. That's right. It's not what Jesus taught us to be. So when – now here, here's a little little tip for you. Uh, and th- I think this applies to passive-aggressive people and energetic attackers. That's right. Before you go to speak to this person – before you have that confrontation. First, take a little time to calm down. Especially for the aggressive attackers. Yes. (laughs) Take a little time to calm down. This is true for passive-aggressive people too because if we've reached that boiling point... Right, yeah, that's true. A a passive-aggressive person, when they... I told someone the other day, it's like, I have an incredibly long fuse. Yeah. Incredibly long. And I have... <laughs> right. My fuse is very, very long. But when mine blows, it's like Dynamite. it's boom. Yeah. I mean, boom. yeah. You know, energetic attackers, they have a short fuse, but their blow up tends to not always be quite as, as dramatic. Dramatic. But right. when a passive aggressive person blows up, I'm telling you the whole world knows. Everybody about knows about it. That's right. So whichever one you are, if you're going to that confrontation, make sure you've had time to calm down. Mm-hmm. Don't go when you're angry. Don't go when it, your right. brain's not functioning right. Right. And then number two, think about it. Mm-hmm. Think about the situation. 
sometimes you'll realize that you it was a misunderstanding. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes you need to look at yourself and and say, okay, maybe I'm not 100% in the wrong, but that there's 10%, mm-hmm. you know. Very rarely have I found in any kind of relationship that one person is 100% wrong mm-hmm. and one person is 100% right. Correct. That's right. Usually when you're honest with yourself, you'll realize, okay, Maybe I was 75% right. Yeah. But I was, you know, my there's mm-hmm. 25% that I contributed to this problem. Mm-hmm. So think about it. Figure out where where you might have, have not been wise or mm-hmm. correct. And number three, and this is probably the most important, before right. you go to someone, make sure you pray. Right. Pray about it. Right. And we do that because God will often... Reveal things to us. Yeah, that's exactly right. That, and I know God's done that for you yes, many absolutely. times where you've mm-hmm. prayed and God's showed you something and you yeah. went to someone. And, absolutely. And I know the Lord's done that for me. The Lord just kind of rewires us when we pray. Mm-hmm. And four, and I think this is important, plan a response. When you go to that person, plan ahead mm-hmm. a conversation that will bring peace and reconciliation. Make sure that's your goal. Right. That sounds really simple, but it's amazing how many people go into that kind of confrontation and they're not thinking in terms of how can we fix this? Correct. They're thinking in terms of how, how can, can I? I be right or mm-hmm. how can I make them understand how awful they are? Right. You, you know? <laughs> Which I get that. That's right. human nature. Right, it's not right. a criticism. but right. And that's why prayer is so important because right. you have to ask the Lord to help you with that's that right. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Many times I've had to say, Lord, please help me to approach this in a way where I'll be bringing peace and right. trying to find reconciliation. Right. And for my personality, you know, I pray that the Lord will help my tone, the way that I'm speaking, because um, I don't want to come off, you know, too strong or mean or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Sure, yeah. And, and that's true, I think, for every person. Yeah, I have a sarcastic sure. personality, if I'm not careful. Mm-hmm. Um, I like sarcastic humor. Mm-hmm. Some people really don't like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't bother me at all. But I have to make sure that I'm not being sarcastic when mm-hmm. I'm, you know, sometimes I, or 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 even, uh, oh, how, how do I, I know that sometimes when I'm, in a confrontation, I, I can come across as condescending. Yeah. That's kind of a defense mechanism mm-hmm. that I have where it's like I'll maybe talk down mm-hmm. to someone. And that's a horrible thing to do. And mm-hmm. I know that about myself. Yeah. And so I have to be very careful. And that prayer and then planning and make sure you're planning to bring reconciliation. That's right. Okay. So that brings us to slip proofing tip number three. And we're going to talk about big picture people and detectives <laughs> All right, I'm the big picture person. And I'm the detective. Taylor would make a tremendous detective. <laughs> I really do believe her her case solved rate would be like 100% because <laughs> she has, there's just something that Taylor has where she just knows when someone's lying or, you know, when something's not adding up, she can just tell. Mm-hmm. And it, a lot of times it'll, it'll slip past me. Mm-hmm. And so here's the made-up words that that we have here. We have Taylor, who represents the literal laters. It's what I call them. They're mm-hmm. very literal, very literal people, very focused on the details people. Mm-hmm. And 
I would be what? The exaggerators. Yes, mm-hmm. I do exaggerate. Mm-hmm. Um, am I getting better? Yes, for I, sure. Okay. Good. Absolutely. So we all know what exaggeration is. It, um, you know, I exaggerate about a thousand times a day. <laughs> There's your exaggeration. There, there we go. <laughs> you know, man, this office is like a million degrees right now. Yeah. It, exaggerators that we just tend to to do that. And we don't even really think about it. It's yeah. not on purpose. Right, of course. And I've thought a lot about this because do you want to tell the sweet gum story or no? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I remember when um, Mariah and I were first dating and we were, I think we were in Jackson and your mom was in and, and visiting Sister Marler in the hospital and I came in. and Yeah. And so we were um, I, eating breakfast or something, and Ryan was telling me a story about we have sweet gum trees, a lot of them. Millions of we, them. No, quite <laughs> millions, but we have a lot. And we, we've had a lot cut down, but he was telling the story that the sweet gums had fallen on the ground, and he raked them all up, and they ended up, he said, they were five feet tall. And he, uh my mother-in-law told Brian, I mean, like her eyes, she believed it. And it's true. In my brain, I thought, I mean, that is really tall. It's important to know that my mother <laughs> is not an exaggerator. Right. We're She's more. a literal later. Yes. Yes. Both of her and I are very a lot alike in that area. And so she told Ryan, you know, you can't, you can't do that because she's literal. She's literal and you'll bring right. your witness with because her. Because <laughs> you took that as gospel. Yeah, for sure. And I remember my mom pulled me aside. It might have been after that. Yeah. uh Or maybe other things too. But she (laughs) pulled me aside and she said, you know, Ryan, you're going to have to be careful because Taylor takes those things literally. Mm -hmm. And you're going to exaggerate at some point about something. And she's going to realize and she's going to feel like you're lying, Mm -hmm. which is true. Mm -hmm. Or maybe not lying, but stretching the truth or, or... purposely for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And now I come by it honestly because my dad's an exaggerator. Yeah. And so my mom and dad have this same dynamic in their marriage. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I've grown up after dad would tell a story preaching Mm -hmm. and he'd say that, oh, that happened six months ago, but it actually happened six years ago. That's right. And mom's Correcting it, you know. Right. Oh, people are going to think that really happened six months ago. You know, but you gonna... have to know that an exaggerator does not mean that they're a liar. Those right. are two completely different. Right, things. we're not trying to lie, and that's right. You know, the thing is, we don't exaggerate. At least I don't. Now I know some exaggerators who do, but I think of it as lying. Some people exaggerate to make themselves look better. Yeah, like the fish was actually this. Right, yeah. Oh, was, uh, well, <laughs> yeah. no, I will say that even my dad and I, we might say, man, we caught a whopper and it was, you know, it was 17 feet long. Oh, but we we will exaggerate in a way to where we would, assume. Yeah, people would know it wasn't really We assume everyone long. knows. Yeah. That we're exaggerating. Right. And we think of it as, as funny or whatever. A lot of it, though, again, I've really had to think about why. What is it about me that causes me to do that? And I think I've pinpointed, and maybe some of you listening will identify with this. I think I've pinpointed that it's because I'm a big picture person. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I'm not a detail. Mm -hmm. As strange as now, I of course when I write, I'm detail. All of that, but for sure. And there are things where I am detail, but in my everyday life, Mm -hmm. and I'm also forgetful. Mm -hmm. So I can't always remember Mm -hmm. what happened yesterday, and so it isn't uncommon at all for me to remember the big picture of a story, Mm -hmm. but. I don't, the details are very fuzzy to me. Mm-hmm. I would have to spend like 15 minutes trying to figure out exactly when that <laughs> happened and maybe even exactly where I was right. and exactly who was there. Mm-hmm. And and so for the sake of brevity, I tend to just, you know, ballpark it. You know, mm-hmm. well, it's, you know, a long, long time. And you know, there are people, well, most of the time that's harmless. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. And I've had to learn the difference. Right. Um, and and I also don't like it, for example, with preachers. And and right. you'll bring this up with preachers, teachers, you know, any kind of communicator. Or even when someone's just talking to me in a conversation, mm-hmm. like my mom, for example. Mm-hmm. And she knows this. I love my mom with all my heart. She's an amazing, incredible person. And I thank God for her personality. Yeah. Her yeah, personality has made, has made her a wonderful mother and grandmother and, and, right. and woman of God. But she can turn a three-minute conversation into a 30-minute conversation because she's detail-oriented. Mm-hmm. So she won't just say, like, I went to the store and I bought some you know, a whole bunch of groceries and mm-hmm. here, it's going to be, you know, what store she went to, mm-hmm. how the route she took to get mm-hmm. there, who she saw at the store, everything that she thought about getting there that she didn't get, yeah. things that she picked up and put back, what it cost. Oh, mm-hmm. wait, no, it didn't cost that because I had a coupon mm-hmm. and then it actually cost it. <laughs> and then, oh, and then I brought this and then this is the, this was the process. And so you've got a 30 minute deal mm-hmm. and she's that way because she is very committed to the details mm-hmm. and they really matter to her. Yeah. And you're that way. Yeah, for sure. And also it's a memory thing. Yeah. You, you can remember. And and this is why in a marriage it can be very hard. And I think a lot of men can relate to this, but maybe it's reversed in a lot of marriages. Maybe sometimes mm-hmm. the husband is the detailed yeah. person and the wife is the, uh, I don't, you know, yeah. possibly that's the case. For sure. But in marriages, it, it can be a situation where you have one person that is remembering every detail. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in an, uh, an argument, right? <laughs> so like if you and I are having a disagreement about something, right. you can remember every detail yeah, for of, sure. of what happened four days ago Yeah, and everything around it. Whereas for me, it's like, I just have the big picture. Mm-hmm. And that, that can be really hard. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is one of the reasons that communicating every day is so important. Correct. That's right. About mm-hmm. about things because it's important for me to do it while I can still remember. Because <laughs> if I put something off six months down the road, by the time we get there, my memory is so hazy. All I, all I yeah. really remember is the emotion and how I perceived it as happening, mm-hmm. maybe not the actual details of how it happened. Right. But you've got like this photographic memory. Mm-hmm. And so it's very important for, for us to, as exaggerators, to be careful about that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we have to change our personality. That's right. It doesn't mean that we have to become 
incredibly literal all the time. Mm -hmm. But we do have to remember that exaggeration can quickly cross the line over into something that is dishonest or misleading, I think is a good word. Mm -hmm. We don't want, and we certainly don't want to ever exaggerate in a way to where we're altering ourselves to look better. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. Because that gets you into that lie territory pretty yeah. quickly. Or exaggerating, exaggerating in a way where people would believe it and it might could create confusion that is, isn't good. Mm-hmm. Um, we would never want our good to be evil spoken of. That's so right. we want to be very careful. And literalators mm-hmm. have to be careful because they can become so literal that they can get bogged down in details. Yeah, for sure. To the point where they overthink things. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Because you see every, and you're analyzing mm-hmm. every little mm-hmm. movement, every right. every gesture. <laughs> and And that can become, well, it can create misunderstandings yeah because you're overthinking yeah everything sure. that's happening around you and um, and you know you can frustrate exaggerators because with details that, right. that are just to them are just just too much now one thing that Taylor and I we're going to talk about marriage quickly here okay we've already mentioned that you and I both share quality time. As our primary love language. As our primary love language. Again, the book, The Five Love Languages, Gary Mm -hmm. Chapman, great book. And for Taylor, maybe you could explain how quality time and conversation are important. Yes. Yes. I I love quality time, but for me to feel loved, the quality time has to be a quality conversation. Like what we're doing now. This is quality conversation to me. That's right. And I feel love doing this. But now if we were in the same room and I'm sitting on the other chair and you're sitting here doing something on your computer, to me, that's not quality time to me. Or even if we were at the same grocery store. Yeah. But I'm... Down one aisle doing one thing and I'm over here or whatever. Or even if we're right next to each other, but Mm -hmm. I'm just not... Talking, to talking, <laughs> or or let's say we're talking, but it's very um, vague or whatever, vague or surface mm-hmm. le- level, non-committal or something yeah. like that. That to you is not qu- correct. Just being together right. is not quality time. Right. Just talking is not quality time. Right. It has to be quality conversation. Yes, like details and oh, and I want you to be very excited. Like if I come home from the grocery store and I have lots of things or something fun, I want you to be. I want you to be all in, not yeah. on your phone, uh-huh. not talking to anyone else. I want you to be focused in on looking at these new grapes that I got. <laughs> so, so at the end of the day or whenever we're talking, Taylor's, because she's a detailed person, her she wants, when she talks about her day, she enjoys giving pretty much every detail mm-hmm. and I prefer to just give a big picture overview. Yeah. So Taylor asked me, how was your day? How, how were things at the office? And I'll give like the three bullet points. Mm-hmm. But but I've learned that's not that's mm-hmm. not quality time for Taylor. That's not quality conversation. So then I ask a question about bullet one, and then I'll let him answer it, and then ask another question about bullet two. <laughs> but one thing I appreciate about about you is that 
you have learned that there are times mm-hmm. when I I'm not capable of that yet. Yeah. So can you tell I've been working on that? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, that's awesome. So you know, she'll say, "Are are you feeling ready to talk about?" It now, or do mm-hmm. you need a little time? And yeah. sometimes I do. I need a little time. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm cool with it. And because I know eventually we're going to get to talk about it. Yes, yes. Be- because I've proven that I will. Yep. That's right. Once I get recharged, mm-hmm. then that has that's really helped. And so, whichever one you are, if if you're the one who is more detailed and likes to have that long, detailed conversation, if you'll really do a great service to that other person mm-hmm. by understanding Mm -hmm. just because you're ready doesn't mean they're ready. Mm -hmm. They may need a minute. And a lot of times I've learned that if I do that, then when we talk later, I'll actually get more details from him or, you know, from you because I've waited, you know? Yeah. If you press too quickly, you're, you're going to get a shorter response Mm -hmm. because I'll just be doing it because I love you, right? Not because I'm mm-hmm. ready or capable, mm-hmm. and I want all details, so I don't mind waiting a little longer. <laughs> now, if you have two communicators, I don't know how they manage. Yeah. I don't know if they. How, Although if they, you are a, an incredible communicator, yeah, I like to communicate, but it's just it, it's a time, timing. It's a time mm-hmm. thing for, for sure. me. Um, let me read from the American Standard Version, Proverbs sixteen twenty three, that I think kind of ties into this conversation. Uh, it says this, the heart of the wise instructeth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. So this applies to the literalators, the exaggerators, the overcommunicators, the undercommunicators, because when we want to have a right relationship with someone else, mm-hmm. whoever it is, we have to use wisdom and we have to instruct our mouth. So especially if I feel an urge to exaggerate when I know that maybe that's not the right time for mm-hmm. exaggeration, I have to use wisdom and instruct my mouth. It's an yeah. intentional thing. Maybe you're the kind of person that wants to over-communicate and be aggressive about it, or perhaps you want to be overly detailed to the point where you're going to uh, bog everything down. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to be wise and instruct your mouth right. and maybe use a little self-control. Mm-hmm. So whichever direction you're coming from, right. using wisdom and instructing your mouth, and it adds learning to your lips. So mm-hmm. so you learn, I, I, if I could paraphrase this a little bit, you learn to have some, some self-control mm-hmm. of your speech. It's very natural for all of us to say, well, this is my personality. Mm-hmm. I can't change. Mm-hmm. I, I was born this way. Yeah. You know, or I, you know, I'm just an exaggerator to it. You know, I'm yeah. just a, or, or, well, I just can't help it. I've got to tell you every, you know. Yeah. Well, no. Learning to have some, some wisdom and instruct your mouth. Right. Have some control. And then you add learning, you Mm -hmm. add. And so what that means is you get better at it over time. You Mm -hmm. add a little bit here, a little bit there, and that will help you in your relationships. And um, I I think if we think through, I think the theme of everything we're talking about to this point, even straight from scripture is it's about being intentional. Yeah, that's right. Every relationship requires intentionality. Right. Where I... I'm going to be thoughtful, mm-hmm. not not paranoid, not 
we're not talking about, you know, having to get a PhD in relationships, but right. I'm going to be thoughtful mm-hmm. because if you care about someone that's right, or people or anyone, mm-hmm. then it, you'll care enough to to put a little thought into it, to yeah. be intentional yeah, and think about what you say and what mm-hmm. you do. And if you're a public speaker or a preacher, then you really need to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's move. We're, we're kind of running short on time here. So let's move into uh, our question and answer phase here. We've got a couple here. I don't know if we got to go through all of these in church the other day. No, I think so, we just did the one. So let's try to get through these. Okay. Go ahead and read the first one for us here. Uh, from a concerned parent, my kids are getting older and they still don't have the Holy Ghost. They don't seem to be seeking it very urgently. I am starting to worry. Advice, please. Concerned parent. Okay. You want to touch on this one? You want me to hit it? Yeah, okay. you can. So Taylor and I really relate to this because Talmadge and Julia are... Well, they're really teenagers now. Talmadge is about to be 13. Mm-hmm. Julia is a teenager. Yep. And we thank God that they, they have the Holy Ghost yeah. and love the Lord. However, I I really understand the the worry that you feel as a parent who loves the Lord and you want your kids so desperately to have the Holy Ghost. Right. Because you know how much it will help them and, and you want them to be saved, of course. And... We have this mindset, you know, the sooner the better. So it's wonderful. Whoever wrote this, it's wonderful that they have this. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that they're even thinking about it says a lot of good about them because right. just caring is a huge deal. Right. And it means that you'll you'll make some some efforts. To give a little practical advice. The first thing we need to understand is that we can't give anyone the Holy Ghost and we can't force anyone yeah, to receive the Holy Ghost. But we should be making sure that we are talking to our kids about the plan of salvation mm-hmm. in an understandable way. I do know a lot of parents just kind of default all of that teaching to the church. Yeah, that's not going to work. To you know, Sunday school, mm-hmm. to the youth class, the youth pastor to the pastor, you know, they're just hoping they'll catch it in the preaching. Mm -hmm. And yes, the church needs to be teaching that, and hopefully your church is. However, if you're not teaching it in your home... Yeah, it's got to be an everyday thing. It's got to be an everyday thing. It can't just be something that they're getting... You'd be surprised what people, not just kids, but adults miss in in church, you know? Yeah. And, And you need to be really... Approach not just in a confrontational like you need to get the Holy Ghost, Scott. You know, but right. but in a a teaching way where right. you actually open your Bible. And the importance of it, you know. Yeah, I remember. Oh, I don't remember how many years ago. I want to exaggerate, <laughs> but I'm not going to exaggerate. It's been several years ago. Talmadge was very young, but Talmadge and I read through the entire Book of Acts together, and. And we just did it every night. Every night we read a chapter two, maybe three, and and we went through mm-hmm. all of the the uh, points of the Holy Ghost and all of that in in the Book of Acts. That was a wonder, and he still remembers that. Um, just finding teachable moments with your kids, but you have to again. Here's that word: you have to be intentional about it. You That's have right. to you have to carve out that that mm-hmm. time. Right. 
And that's true of everything, not just receiving the Holy Ghost, yeah. but holiness, everything. You've, you, you have to be affirming that in the home. You have to be right. teaching that in the home. You can't just assume that they're going to get it, right. you know. Got to be at every church service, take them to many as many um, church services, you know, youth you, events, all kinds of stuff. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. You know, Taylor and I have really felt a strong burden over the years to make sure that Talmadge and Julia were able to go to all kinds of church services mm-hmm. as- camps outside of just mm-hmm. our church. Right. And so we've we've driven and I don't just mean like local things 2 minutes right, away. We've driven hours and hours countless places um, sat through services that probably weren't geared anything towards us at all, mm-hmm. but but of course we were blessed by it. That's but, right. And to just get them exposed mm-hmm. to m- moves of the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. and worshiping, and I think listen, if people can take their kids to practices and ball games, which right. I don't recommend, but you know people do that they. They'll just countless hours taking mm-hmm. their kids to after school programs and everything you can imagine. And what is that really going to do yeah. for a child long term? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the chances that your kid's going to make it to the NBA are almost nothing. Yeah, you would greatly increase their chance of making heaven and receiving the Holy Ghost if you could get them to as many apostolic Holy Ghost filled environments mm-hmm. as you possibly can right. within reason. I think that's been a big part yeah, of, absolutely. Of, of helping Talmadge and Julia. Another little piece of practical advice I think I would give you is to monitor where your kids are sitting, whatever age they are. Maybe you've got older kids in the preteen or teenage. Right. Early on with Talmadge and Julia, they they love to sit by their friends, or they used to more than they do now. But And I would watch, and I would see... Are they worshiping like they would? Are they responding? Are they paying attention? Mm-hmm. You know, it, or you know, some people generate peer pressure that's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And I would just notice, okay, when when Talmadge sits by that person, he doesn't pay attention like he usually. He doesn't mm-hmm. respond like he usually would. Yeah. And so I would go to to Talmadge or Julia, and I would say, listen. Uh, you can't sit by that person mm-hmm. in church anymore because you're not you're not interacting mm-hmm. like you would when when you're with someone else or when you're by yourself or when you're with me or mm-hmm. grandma or something like that. And I think that's really important. Don't don't just let your your kids sit. I don't care if they're 18. Right. You know, if they're living in your home, you you have mm-hmm. say over that. Uh, don't let them sit in an environment. Listen, we all know there's people. That you know, you get near them in church, and and it they can be a drain spiritually. Mm-hmm. Don't don't let your kids um, be be in that environment in church. Put them in a place where they can get the most out of it. That's right, and uh, where they don't feel distracted or distracted. Sometimes you know? it's not that they're a bad person. Yeah. Sometimes it's just that mm-hmm. they enjoy it. You know, I I told this story. I've told it to our church a few times, but you know, I'm a PK. I grew up uh, a pastor's kid, and Again, I want to exaggerate here, but I don't remember how old I was. I was probably 11, maybe 10, but I'm not 100% sure. And somehow, I don't know how, I must have done something really crazy, but I wound up on the back row 
of the church service. Mom was playing the piano, home missions church. So mom's on the piano, dad's, you know, on the platform. Ba- this was back when pianos weren't always on the platform. <laughs> right. and, and they weren't always electric pianos. This was like an upright deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I was in the back sitting by some friends and dad got up to preach. And I don't re- remember, I just know that my friends and I, we got to like laughing and talk. We weren't like talking, but we something was making us laugh. Mm-hmm. And I like had an outburst of laughter while dad was was uh, preaching. He just started and dad came down off the play. He said, excuse me, what sister French come to the piano. I need you to lead a song. I've got to take care of our son. He came down, oh took me God. by the arm off, <laughs> took me downstairs to the, the basement and, uh, and spanked me in the men's restroom. And what's funny is years and years later, the omens, I don't know if the omens ever listened to this or not, but they, we used to, uh, go to their house a lot, just wonderful, precious people and their family. And the omens, I was with them a few years, several, I don't know how many years ago, I was with them years ago <laughs> and uh, out to eat, just reminiscing about things. And they they brought it up. They said, Ryan, do you remember that time that your dad took you out and spanked you? And I said, yes, I do. And they said, well, it, we never wanted to tell you when you were young because we didn't want to embarrass you. Right, but right. Uh, do you remember how like everything in that building like echoed through the pipes and everything and and he said so when you were down there getting spanked the whole sanctuary could hear you (laughs) (laughs) oh my i I was like oh that's great that's super embarrassing good (laughs) and uh but anyway um that certainly taught me a lesson and i don't i don't do that anymore uh thankfully but i I try to pay attention in church now but no i'm just kidding (laughs) but be aware of, of where your kids are and, and, yeah. and what they're doing in service, who they're sitting by. Those little things, those little things yep. can help, I think. Oh, right. and finally, um, I've always had a rule in our home that we go to the altar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just what we do. Going right. to the altar is not optional. Right. You know, I don't care if you feel God or not. You're going right. <laughs> to right. you know, go to the altar because... Positioning, that's part of positioning your kids for the Holy Ghost. Right. And and we're not going to go to the altar and talk. We're not right. going to go to the altar and play. We're not going to go to the altar and... and now, I know that there are different ages, okay? Right. I, I, we're not talking about, you know, like four-year-olds here. Mm-hmm. but And you as a parent will know that age where you have to start enforcing rules. And Now, I will say some parents don't use wisdom and, you know, they think a nine-year-old should still be on the back row playing. No. There's an age where they can, if they can pay attention in school, they can pay attention in church. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so Talmadge and Julie have just always known, we go to the altar. Mm-hmm. That's just what we do. And we participate in the altar right. call. And it's amazing, even in your own life, if you'll go to the altar, that's even right. if you're not necessarily feeling it, but if you force yourself to participate, how many times has God just shown up in the yeah. altar, shown, you know, just moved on you? and And so I think that... That's worked and helped in our home. Again, we can't give them the Holy Ghost. We can't force them to get the Holy right. Ghost, but we can do everything in our power to to force them. Okay, what's number two, babe? Um, this is a frustrated employee. I work in an environment where my boss and coworkers don't respect my faith. In fact, they actively belittle and mock my faith. It leaves me drained and spiritually dry at the end of a shift. What can I do to make it better? Mm, 
That's a that's a great question. Yeah, that's a good question. So my boss and coworkers don't respect my faith, um, and they act they belittle and mock. Yeah, so that would leave you, d- depending, I think, on your where you are in your walk with God. For some people, that could be devastating. Right. For some people, that would just be mildly annoying, maybe, yeah. depending. But but I understand how that, that could be an issue. Yeah. Um, have you ever been in a situation like that? No, I don't think so. I I've been in a few situations, work situations in, in way back in history where, (laughs) where people were disrespectful Mm -hmm. of, of my faith and maybe even. I mean, I've had that, but not at a job. Not at a job. Right. Um, Well, my first, just my initial reaction is if, if it's impacting your walk with God, I mean, if it's causing you to want to do wrong, if it's tempting you to wrong, or if it's making you want to uh, be something that you shouldn't be, yeah, probably not a new job. then no job is worth losing your right. soul over. Right. I don't care what, what they're paying, what right. the benefits are. If, if it's so bad that you just can't, it's making it where you just don't want to serve God or it's incredibly hard for you to serve God, then you should get rid of that job. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just get rid of it and, and pray and God will give you a better mm-hmm, job. Absolutely. God will bless you for that. Mm-hmm. If, if you put your relationship with God first, if, if you feel like there's nothing you can do to fix that environment, right? then get rid of that job. Mm-hmm. Especially, okay, this was a big deal for me. Um, even when I was in Bible school, I worked at the Indianapolis Airport, mm-hmm. and you know they're open literally twenty four seven, seven days a week, and they wanted me to work Sundays. They wanted everyone to work Sundays. Yeah, that was always the big fight. You know, mm-hmm. nobody wanted to work Sunday. Even the, even the non Christian folks wanted to be off Sundays for you know the ball games and yeah. all of that. They they didn't want to. Nobody wanted to work, mm-hmm. and. Um, so their whole thing was, well, listen, your, your your faith can't be a priority over everyone else and all of that. And it was, so it was always a, this big fight over it. And and I have seen so many people miss out on their relationship with God because of a job that forced them to work Sundays. Mm-hmm. And they think, well, I, I, you know, I need this job and, you know, it'd be irresponsible to quit this job. And so, I, you know, I'll just deal with it. And, and you know... By the way, my view on this has really changed over the... I used to be more understanding, mm-hmm. but I have seen countless people backslide because they gave in to a job that didn't respect their faith, yeah. and they worked on Sundays, and then they they lost their soul. Yeah. What good is it if you gain the whole world yep. but lose That's your right. soul? But by the way, God will honor you if you quit that job mm-hmm. and look for something that will allow you to be at church. That's right. Allow you to be participating in church. Right. And a place where they'll at least at least not persecute your faith. Right. You you may not find a place that's going to honor your faith mm-hmm. or really really respect it, but right. you can find a place where they at least won't persecute you. Right. However, I will say there are laws about this and you can, it, depending on the situation, it, it might be necessary to 
to go to HR or go somewhere and say, listen, I'm, I'm being, my religious liberties yeah. are being violated. Right. Everyone from the Boston. Mm-hmm. And depending on what kind of company it is or what kind of place it is, you, you might could create enough stink. Right. To where you could, and, and you know, without being ugly, of course, but you, you do have the right to stand up for your religious liberties, mm-hmm. and you, you might try that first, see mm-hmm. how that goes. Another thing you have to do when you're a, a Christian at work is make sure that you're above reproach. So if people see hypocrisy in your life, right, yeah, and you're good. you're saying, "Oh, I want Sundays," or, "Oh, I, I'm this, I'm this." Save tongue talking, holy rolling, but yet, yet they see you being dishonest. Now, I'm not saying this person has that, okay, at all. Right, but, of course. But I'm just clarifying because I have known people that this was an issue for them. I used to hire a lot of apostolics at the airport, and it was sad because some of them would come in and they'd have all these demands. You know, I've got to be off for choir. I've got to be off for this. I've got to be off for that. And then they lie, you know, and they're dishonest and they mistreat people. And then everyone's thinking, well, why in the world are we giving them religious considerations? Yeah. You know, and I would have to apologize to them or for them to mm-hmm. to people around that were not saved. And uh, please don't be that person. Yeah. You, you will not be given any kind of consideration right. for your faith if you're not living your faith right. at work, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to just common decency and honesty and, right. and all of that kind of thing. Right. So uh, hopefully that helps somebody. All right, next one. This is uh, from a new Christian. I do one thing wrong, and my non-apostolic family says, I thought you were a Christian. <laughs> Don't you love that when people do that? Oh, I right. thought you Oh, I thought you were a yeah, Christian. Yeah, you say one thing, you have one bad, you have a bad attitude, and they're like, oh, 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 oh I thought you were I a Christian. You, I oh, you were a Christian, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who are you to judge? I know, right? That's oh. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, but I understand. Yeah, I understand. Um, well, you know, I don't know that I've really experienced a lot of this. Um, I would say that if you're wrong, like if you did do something wrong, then as a Christian, the right thing to do is to apologize. Yeah, and just make it right. Just I make mean, it right. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're perfect. And I think it's important to express that. You know, the assumption that so many non-apostolics or non-Christians have mm-hmm. is that we as holiness Pentecostals think we're perfect and better than everybody. Mm-hmm. They assume that. Yeah. And uh, if you do feel that way, well, you're not a Christian. But right. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully you don't feel that way and you probably right. don't. So that's a great opportunity to just say, you know what, I— I am, you know, a, a an apostolic, and I love the Lord, but I do mess up. Yeah, you know, I'm not per. I don't claim perfection. Right. I have convictions, and I do my best, but you know, sometimes I, I say the wrong thing. Yeah. Sometimes I, drop the ball. That's right. And you know what? I am sorry that I didn't live up to what I even would like to live up to. Right. And um, sometimes that disarms people. Because mm-hmm. they expect you to be defensive and right. ugly, and, that's right, and you know, know it all to them, mm-hmm. and it can be, it can be very, that can be a great opportunity to demonstrate 
your yeah, Christianity. Yeah, that's exactly right. And demonstrate the love of the Lord. Mm-hmm. When you just, instead of getting angry at that and being mm-hmm. like, well, I am a Christian, you know, and mm-hmm. you're not, you filthy heathen, right. you, know, <laughs> you pagan, you know, if, if you <laughs> oh, just say, well, listen, you know what, I I, I did wrong and, right. and I'm sorry. That's Maybe right. you didn't do wrong. Maybe they just thought you did wrong. And you can yeah. say, you know what, um, I think there's been a misunderstanding, but I am sorry if I offended you yeah, because sure. I care about you. Yeah. And, you know, I would certainly never intentionally, right. you don't have to take ownership for something you didn't actually yeah. do, but you, that doesn't mean you can't say, I care about the hurt you're feeling right, right. now. That's I, right. I care that I hurt yeah. your fe- that your feelings are hurt, yeah. even if I didn't mean mm-hmm. to do it. And some people are just going to be have bad attitudes towards you no matter what. Yeah. And some people just feel conviction. That's right. And you can't you can't change that. Some people are. It's it's tragic. I've told I mean, it's sad. It's truly. I truly truly think that that some people would rather you be an alcoholic, yeah. a drug addict, yeah. or anything like that than to be someone who lives for the Lord. Anything but be, especially if you're a Christian that actually has convictions. Yes, yeah, that's right. It's sad and standards, right? You're going to receive, and Jesus warned us. Right. Jesus warned us that there's going to be there's going to be relation slips yeah. when you decide to serve Him. Mm-hmm. There, you know, there's going to be fathers that get angry with daughters and brothers. That, you know, it it this is just it mm-hmm. it does it can it can be divisive. Right. And Jesus told us it was going to be that way. And and I will say this is sad, but I I, I do want to warn new Christians out there who have family members that aren't apostolic, aren't serving the Lord. I want to warn you that it's very possible that you're going to have family that turns against you. Yeah, for sure. And that's heartbreaking. Yeah. It really is. We've all probably at one level or another experienced that. Yeah, for that. sure. And you have to be okay with that mm-hmm. in terms of how you serve God. You right. can't let that affect you yeah, and God. That's right. You you love that person. You walk with integrity yep. with that person. Set boundaries. You set boundaries with mm-hmm. that person. That's right. Um, you know, if if someone is being becoming very toxic mm-hmm. to you. And that's in everything. That's in your friendships. That's yes. at the job. That's everywhere. Yeah. To- you don't you are not obligated to allow toxic people right. into your inner circle in mm-hmm. the you can love them. That's right. You, you can, can be nice and all of that, yes. but you do not have to look. You don't have to spend every day with them and hang out with them, call them on the phone, yeah. and things like yeah. that. You don't have you, to. Be you can that. love a family member. That's right. You can love, you know, a, someone that used to be a close That's friend, right. but they've they've gone one direction. You've gone another. You can care about that person, but you are not obligated to be close to that right. person. And now again. Just clarifying, mm-hmm. I'm an over clarifier, but you can't be ugly to that person. Be That's mean right. to them. Now they might right. feel like you're being unkind right. because you're not giving them all that they right. want, or you're not doing what they want you to. And you yeah. know, maybe in the past you did drink alcohol with yeah. them, or maybe you did do drugs maybe with them, used, or whatever. Maybe you used to party. Maybe you used mm-hmm. to you know watch dirty movies. Whatever yeah. it is, you used to do all those things. Uh, in the list of that could be endless, but you don't right. do. Maybe you used to talk about, uh, you know sexual things that were inappropriate, mm-hmm. but now you don't, maybe you used to tell inappropriate jokes, but right. you don't do that anymore. Uh, and that's going to frustrate them. Mm-hmm. And on a certain level, that's understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
you have to set boundaries. That's right. And and do it lovingly. Okay. That's right. We got one more here. Let's look at this one. All right. This is from a concerned husband and father. I've not always been a good spiritual leader in my home, mm. but I've recommitted my life to the Lord and want to be a better leader for my family. Good. But I feel like it might be too late. It's never too late. That's right. How can I get back lost respect? Oh, wow. It's a great question. Yeah, it's very good. Um, well, first, it's good that you acknowledge that you've not always been a good spiritual leader yeah, in your sure. home. And I think that you need to verbalize that to your family. Sure. Yeah. I think you need to call a family meeting Yeah. and say, and, and this requires putting your pride down. Yeah, for sure. And this sure. can be very hard. Mm-hmm. But you need to be... Open and you need to say to your fa- your wife, your, it, uh, was this a husband? Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we think. Yeah, you need to say to your wife, your kids. You need to say, listen, I have not been the man of God for this home mm-hmm. that I was supposed to be, that yeah. I need to be, and and I know that was wrong, mm-hmm. and it's not been good for you. It's not been good for me, and I'm not going to get it perfect mm-hmm. going forward. But I want everyone to know the Lord is dealing with me and right. and things are going to change. Yeah. And you may not always like the change. Right. But I'm going to start making an effort yes. that you've not seen me make before. Yes. And that means we might have to clean up some things around right. here. There might be things that we I used to be okay with I'm not okay with. Right. And and I apologize mm-hmm. that we're having to do this this way now. Mm-hmm. It should have been this way forever. Right. Um, walk them through how you've changed and yeah. walk them through your the process of how God, yeah. got, how you got cold. Maybe mm-hmm. you were, you probably were, it sounds like someone who was going to church. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've been going to church your whole life or yeah. whatever. And say, here, I got cold and, and here's, but here's how God showed me that mm-hmm. I was cold and, and, and I've been carnal. And I want to do better. And and this is important, I think. Make sure they understand that you don't want to just do better for you. That's right. You want to do better because you love them. That's right. I want you to be saved. Right. I want you to be successful. Right. I want you to be blessed. Mm-hmm. I, I want our family to be whole and clean. Right. And And tell them. You may not respect me right now mm-hmm. because I've not earned it. Yeah. And I think acknowledging that respect is something that should be earned. Right. Because respect mm-hmm. is something you have to earn. Right. And make this commitment to them. I'm going to work hard to earn your respect back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make an effort to demonstrate to you that I can be respected. Right. And... I think that would be a great start. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's very good. I think that'd be a great start. And be consistent with that. And yeah, honestly, if you make that big speech and then you go out and, you know, two you, weeks later and you go back to the way you were, then. Yeah. So you, you'll you'll lose that respect That's right. in a big, big, big mm-hmm. way that may not get back. So, you know, before you do that, you need to make sure this change is real. That's right. And this isn't just a passing emotion that you right. have. That's right. It needs to be a real thing. Talk to your wife about it in advance, mm-hmm. probably, and then call call a family meeting. And again, consistency, that's that's, that's right. the key word. 
you can earn respect back. And you've got to be comfortable with the fact that you're probably not going to get it back overnight. Yeah. That's probably not what I would want to hear in your shoes. Right. But it's the truth, and mm-hmm. you have to be okay with that. It's going to take a little time. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little little growth process there. But but you can, and, and you will. Right. And get help. Find people. Find find a mentor. Get right. you know your pastor. That's right. Uh, find find look at a a dad and a mm-hmm. husband in your church. Find one that you respect that you think, man, that's mm-hmm. that's what I want to be. Yeah. Whoever two or three of them, mm-hmm. whatever, and go to them and say, hey, I want to go to lunch with you. I want to get caught. I want to you know I want to go to dinner. I want to talk to you. Yeah. Whatever. Pick their brain. Uh, when you're not sure how you to handle a situation because you're not used to being a spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. And and so you're going to face situations where you're not confident in w- how you should respond. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're going to need a group of, of men mm-hmm. around you that will help you with that. Right. And, and love you and care for you. And, and people right. will, I mean, listen, if you have an attitude like that, People will want to talk to you, right. and and, and yeah. they'll want to be a support system yeah, for that's you. That's exactly right. And you're going to really struggle if you don't have a support system. Right. So get a hold of one. That's right. Uh, listen to a lot of great podcasts like this. That's do right. things like that, <laughs> and uh, and and that'll help you. And uh, develop a prayer life. Amen. Develop a prayer life that'll help you. All right. Well, this has been great. Yeah, babe. That's thank awesome. you. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and for everyone listening, it'll have been a long time ago, but okay. happy belated Valentine's That's Day right. to all of you. All right. We're going to get going, but we're going to come back in just a little bit with Good, Gross, Great. Uh, so, right? Good, Gross, Gross. Gross, Good, Great. Gross, Good, Great. That's right. Gross, Gross, gross Good, Great. Talmadge is very upset. Yeah, he is. <laughs> He's very offended. He does not like that. <laughs> glad that you're here and this is gonna be a lot of fun the whole french fam yes is hello hello hey. and today we have mike and ike mega mix sour 10 flavors okay well let's see how that goes we've got uh now taylor loves sour stuff i know but we've been on a diet so i haven't got to eat any right now so, i will so this I'm is so excited sour zap and apple Sour Slammin' Strawberry, Screamin' Cherry, Juicy Lemon, Green Limeade, Sucker Punch, Power Pineapple, <laughs> water white, Watermelon Wipeout, Grape Soda, ooh, Shockin' Raspberry. All right. Does anybody think this is going to be yummy? or is Yeah, it? I think it's going to be delicious. I think Absolutely, I, 100%. The thing is, it's almost like you have to try every color. Yeah, you have to try. Yeah. I don't like any sour. So I'm going to give that to you. Okay, yeah, I want all of those. Mm, yummy, I'm going to eat all right. these. Here you go, bud. Julia. They look disgusting. They look moldy. Well, they probably are. They've been it's here that, for a while. It's that sour coating. Oh. <laughs> All right. Okay, so, you ready? 
I'm gonna try the red one first. I'm gonna try them all at the same We time. gotta go over the rules. Uh, uh, rules of good, great. Gross, gross, good, great. Gross, good, great. Gross, good, great. Is uh, it has to be something we've never tried. We've never tried this before. Other people have to be able to get it in their store. Right. Which I got to Kroger. And uh, so the rating system, we did it wrong last time, is right. one, two, three. Two, three is, is what? Gross. Gross. Four, five, six. Four, five, six is good. Seven, eight, nine. No, 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 no. Oh, that's what we did last time, huh? Yeah. One through three is is gross. gross. Uh, four, five, six, seven. Seven. Okay. Is good. Good. You get more chances to be in the good. All right. And eight, nine, ten is great. All right. I like it. All right. All right. So, are y'all gonna eat one at a time, or are you gonna just I'm put gonna them all in my mouth? I, I, I think time. I'm just gonna put them all in my mouth. Okay. It's been so long since I've had these. All right. Here we go. Let's give it a shot. I'm already loving it. Sour strawberry. I'm gonna try apple. Mmm. <laughs> Breaking our diet for this. Mm-hmm. It's so good to me. Is it worth it? Yeah, it's it worth it. Shocking raspberry. Try that. <laughs> this is so bad. You have to like sour, there's no doubt about it. Does anyone think of this as really sour? Yeah. No. I don't think of it sour. Fine. It's not that sour to me. Mm -mm. <coughs> oh my word. Some of them are sour and some aren't. Some? Some of these flavors are better than others, there's no doubt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to have the right flavor. But if you mix them. I like them mixed. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I can tell this is going to be split up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Julia, what do you think? Mm, some of them are good and some of them aren't, so. Overall, what are you going to give it? Um, seven. Hmm. Talmadge? Mm, I hated it. I'm going to give it a four. Oh. Is it still in there good? Yeah. I mean, I didn't hate it, hate it that much, but. Mm -hmm. What's your name, babe? Mm, I'm going to give them a. I'm going to give it a seven as well. Really? Mm hmm. It's good. I love them and I would eat them, but. I'm, 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 they're not good enough for the grain. Yeah. And it matters to me because I like sour. So I'm very picky. Mm hmm. You know. I thought I was eating it. Like at first, I was gonna give it an eight. Mm-hmm. I thought about an eight as well. But then I got a flavor that kind of like just ruined it, and I'm not sure which one it was. Mm -hmm. But there's like one flavor in there that's really gross. It's the green. Is it the green? <laughs> it's really gross, and so Ew. it kind of it brings it down a lot for me. There's so, two different greens, so. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say that I'm gonna give it a, a five because of that. It was it, the same for me. I didn't like the um, the orange one, the punch one, but I liked the red one a lot. So, but you know they're kind of like Starburst. I love Starburst, but I don't like all the flavor. Yeah, that makes sense. So, if you were a big aficionado, if you figured out which colors you liked and you just stuck with those, mm -hmm. you'd be safe. But mm -hmm. so, no, kind of eh. Mm -hmm. But 
obviously, if you don't like sour candy. Them. And the same for you. <laughs> this, yep, this isn't the one for you. All right, so I don't know. I think we're somewhere in the good, Yeah. maybe in the just good sort of category. Mm-hmm. All right, bye, everybody. See ya. It's been See fun. Ya. It's been fun. Adios. I like that music.